Thank you, sir. Don't tell anybody. Shh. It's a secret. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's no secrets in here. Amen. There's nothing hidden before the Lord. <laughs> That's disappointing sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> if you could just go ahead and not look right now, that'd be great, Lord. Um, praise God. First, before I start, I just want to say thank you guys so much for all of your support. Um, you know, with our family, of course, but also with my mom, you know, I, I was so thrilled um, that I was able to bring her here and she was just accepted like family, just like that. And that's just the way this church is. And that's the way that the church is supposed to be around the world. <laughs> Sometimes it's not, but here it is. You know, you guys took my mom, you made her part of the congregation. She loved it. And she would get equipped. She'd get fueled up here and she'd go back to her church in Silt and she'd share everything that she could, everything that they were willing to hear. And then they'd say, all right, that's enough. We can't, we can't get too happy. And No, they're, they're a great congregation too. But anyway, thank you for that. Um, she is super happy and super blessed now because she is at the side of her Savior forever and ever, unable to be separated, and also, again, together with my dad. Not that they're probably paying too much attention to each other because <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is right there. Hallelujah. Praise God. So who, did anybody uh, miss uh, Pastor Jonathan's message this morning? Was anybody not here? All right. After you listen to this, go back and listen to that. And then put this at the end of that in your mind, okay? So, like, listen to this and then, like, record it or put it in your DVR and then, okay, do that because it's the right order. Amen. Morning comes before evening, so that's just the way God made things. Praise God. So the subject tonight, if you wanted to give it a title, and I don't want you to get too serious, all right? I like to laugh. I laugh at things that sometimes some people think I shouldn't, but that's the way God made me. So the title is The Benefits of Dying. I know this sounds morbid because my mom just died, but... She's happy. She doesn't care. I'm going to come up here just for a minute so I can see everybody. And I'm going to give you a little bit. How many of you don't know who I am? Jerry. Nice. <laughs> All right. Quick story. Um, I was born in Glenwood Springs. I was raised in Apple Tree and Silt and, you know, went to school here. Um, I went to church with uh, lots of different people. <laughs> And when I was 13, I said, no more God, God's boring. And then God said, are you serious? And when I was four years old, I had a vision, and that vision kept me. It planted me in, in the, you know, it planted my heart or connected me with the Lord. So, like, I would get so far down the road of whatever, and I'd have this vision again, a glimpse of the vision. And it was like God asking me, what are you doing? <laughs> Where are you going? And I'm like, all right. So I come back, get a little closer, but then I see other things that were fun, Stupid, but fun, you know, fun for the flesh. Um, so, long story short, I married Shelly. She said, actually, before we got married, I told her that I loved her, and she said, you can't say that unless you're willing to be a missionary. And I was like, mm, it's worth it, okay, <laughs> I can do that. I mean, I just got out of the Navy, so I was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to travel. I can, you know, it's, what's, what's hanging out in the U.S.? And little did I know, this is where I would end up. Um, 
We spent five years in Mexico, just kind of on the outskirts of Acapulco, um, viviendo por la por el, la gloria de Dios. Um, and then, but at the whole time, my heart was burning for Nepal. <laughs> and then I go to Fire for the Nations in Tulsa, and the Lord says, all right, get ready for Nepal. You're free to go. And I was like, yes. And later that evening, he says, get ready for Croatia. And I was like, wait, I don't, what? Who's Croatia? Where is, where is that? I don't even know what that is. And so, like, the whole time we're in Nepal, I'm like, okay, maybe this is, like, years before I'm just supposed to be praying for this country. But anyway, God takes us to Croatia after three years in Nepal. You know, we, got, we were there for the earthquake. We got to enjoy that, getting to know people. And then we get to Nepal, or get to Croatia, and I'm thinking, Lord, you're, you're hilarious. <laughs> I'm looking around Croatia, looking around Split. This is a 2,000-year-old city, Roman city. And I'm looking, and it's like spotless, and there's tourists everywhere, and there's no dust in the air. Total contrast to Kathmandu. Tourists everywhere, lots of dust, smoke, camels, or not camels, cows, and elephants, monkeys. Croatia, nothing. Cats and Croatians, Germans and Austrians. <laughs> Clean. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm not sure this is where we're supposed to be. Anyway, this is what leads me into this message. This is something, I wanted to talk about something that is fun and entertaining, but something that I knew a lot about. This is something that I'm growing a little bit of expertise in, is learning how to die to yourself. And I want to show you just how much fun it can be. Um, last year, after we finished Dunamis Bible School there in Croatia for the year, we started a worship school. It was just every Wednesday night. And um, the Lord showed me this year a meter that I could draw to let me know where I am in the, in the life of worship. And when you think about the tabernacle, you have the gates, right? The scripture says, come into his gates with thanksgiving. You come into the courts with praise. And if you know the layout of the tabernacle, when you come into the courts, that's where the sacrificial altar is. That's where the, the burning happens. And then there's the sanctuary, and then there's the inner sanctuary. And that's where we can live in worship. We, you can live on the outside, or you can live on the inside. I believe with all my heart that we can remain in the holiest of holies. That we can live a life in the closest intimacy with him. But one of the revelations I had was that when you come through that altar, you know, a lot of the times, this is just natural for us, right? We come to God like, God, I've got all these problems. Like, my kids are this. My wife is this. My husband's this. My cow is this. My house is this. And God's, you know, he's not hurt by that. Of course, he wants to help us with our problems. And so we throw those things on the altar. God, I'm giving these things to you. When you come through, you come through with thanksgiving. You're like, Father, thank you that I'm even alive. You begin a life of gratitude. And as that gratitude grows, you begin to increase in your freedom to lay those things down on the altar. And he takes care of them. You say, Lord, you're more important than these things. All of these worries, all of these concerns, Father, I'm throwing these down on the altar because I love you and I know you love me. And so he says, come on in. So you come into the sanctuary, and you begin your discourse. You, you begin talking with him, listening. There's, there's a, a two-way street of communication there. There's a lot of revelation happening. And, and it's a daily process, sometimes an hourly process, where you're going through, the, through the, the gates, the courts, and into the holiest of holies. 
But the funny thing is about in the holiest of holies, there's not a lot of communication. There's just intimacy. In fact, the holiest of holies is a lot like the picture of the, the bed of matrimony. Where you share the most intimate moment with the person that you have covenant with. And I learned that as you go through that process, eventually you have no more things to throw on the altar. You've sacrificed everything because you love him. The last thing to throw on the altar is you. You just lay down and you're like, Father, take me. <laughs> this is, I don't even, it doesn't even bother me anymore. In fact, it's my delight. And so I've been learning how to die for a long time. And that's okay. In fact, that's what we're designed to do. We are born to die. <laughs> that sounds morbid, but it's a good thing. Because when we die to him, we become alive. Now on the lighter side of things. When I think about death, I also think about the mystery of death and, and how a lot of religions, especially like Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, they profess reincarnation. Reincarnation is something that happens. And if you look at the Bible in a certain angle, you know, it looks, there is sort of a reincarnation. And there's a poem about reincarnation. How many of you have ever heard of uh, Wallace McRae? Okay, don't give it away. He's a cowboy poet. <clears throat> he says, what is reincarnation? A cowboy asked his friend. It starts, his old pal told him, when your life comes to an end. They wash your neck and comb your hair and clean your fingernails and put you in a padded box away from life's travails. The box in you goes in the hole that's been dug in the ground. Reincarnation starts, starts in when you're planted neath that mound. Them clods melt down like the box and you who is inside. And that's when you begin your transformation ride. And in a while, the grass will grow upon your rendered mound until someday upon that spot a lonely flower is found. And then a horse may wander by and graze upon that flower that once was you and now has become your vegetated bower. Now the flower that horse done et along with his other feed makes bone and fat and muscle essential to the steed. But there's a part that he can't use, and so it passes through. And there it lies upon this ground, this thing that once was you. <laughs> and if perchance I should pass by and see this on the ground, I'll stop a while and ponder at this object that I've found. I'll think about reincarnation and life and death and such, and come away concluding why you ain't changed all that much. <laughs> when we're transformed in the twinkling of an eye, given our glorious body, we're going to look very similar to how we do now, just like the better version of this. <laughs> Amen. Ours is so much better. We're not just going to be fertilizer. <laughs> Praise God. All right, let's get into the word, shall we? That's why we're here. Romans 8, 13. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. God, you are so good. Indescribable, Father. 
Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. If you put to death the deeds of the body, by, if you, want, you know, live by the Spirit, then you're going to live. So in order for us to live as believers, we have to die. We have to put to death the deeds of the body. Matthew 16, 24, and 26 says basically the same thing as Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. So let's just jump there. Luke, there's a little bit of a difference. Um, it's a significant difference, but um, it's the same story, same. Anyway, Mark, Luke, and John saddled a horse and then jumped on, and that was the Acts of the Romans. Uh, Luke 9. Somebody took Luke. Nope, there he is. Howdy, Luke. How you doing, buddy? Dr. Luke, chapter 9, verses 23 through 26, says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? and is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I only have about 17 verses to go through, so we should be here for the normal amount of time, if I can read quickly. If my Bible will help me out at all. Praise you, Lord. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So what's our first benefit of dying? You're no longer ashamed. That's pretty awesome. There is no shame in giving your life to Jesus. I know a lot of people who they say, you know, what if I go share with somebody and they say no? I'm like, so what? <laughs> it's not you. They're not rejecting you. I remember I was in a service in Mexico when I was worshiping. And I remembered that scripture, give the sacrifice of praise. And I was like trying to blend in with everybody. I was like, hallelujah. Fieles Dios, Jesus es rey, hallelujah. And all of a sudden, I, that scripture came alive inside of me. And that was one of the first days that a large chunk of me died. Because I didn't care what anybody else around me saw, what they thought. What I cared was, God, I'm giving you this sacrifice. And I'm not going to do it now because I have a microphone on. <laughs> but I praised God. I said, Woo! <laughs> And all of a sudden, my Mexican friends are like, finally, he woke up. You know. There's a moment when you take a step closer to him, and that old man starts to die off. When we preach the gospel to people, what's the most common thing we ask people? Like, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Do you know how short you're selling people when you do that? 
when you should be asking people, there is a restoration with the creator of the universe. He wants to have this relationship with you, and this restoration can only happen through faith in the sacrifice of the Son of God. And the only thing you have to do is give up your life. Give up your rights. I know. We think of our rights. We're like, man, I had good plans. I was going to get that Maserati and that 97-inch television. And Man, I'm believing God for those, Ar those Argyle socks to match my shoes. Like, you know, like Jonathan was saying this morning, you know, it's good. God wants us to practice with our faith, to use our faith for things. But if you're not transformed by the gospel... If your life's no different today than it was the day before you made the prayer, what's the point? Exodus chapter 33. Hallelujah. Chapter 33 of Exodus. Verse 20, God tells Moses, he says, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Hmm. That's an interesting thing to think of as a believer, isn't it? John chapter 14. Wow, opened right up to it. Thanks, Lord. That was awesome. Chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Have you seen him? Hello? <laughs> have you seen Jesus? So you've seen the Father. You can't see the Father and live. You have to die. <laughs> and it's a good time. <laughs> you know, when we think of death, we think of mortal death. Blah. You want to hear something funny? In the kingdom of God, people, people, the dead smell better than the living. Because when you're dead, you're victorious. And our victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God. What was it you said this morning, Jonathan? It said that Jesus will show you who you are. And we're supposed to live corum deo, before the face of God. If you stand before the face of God continually... There's a burning that happens. Our God is a consuming fire. And he burns off that chaff. He burns off all that stuff you've built that's worthless. And all that remains is the gold and silver and that chief cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. And how does it happen? See, this is the thing that always drives me nuts. Is I hear these awesome words, awesome lessons, or examples of things, and then nobody shows me how. I want to know how. How do I die? <laughs> I want to know how to die safely. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to do it quickly. 
No, I do want to do it quickly. I take that back. There's, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, it might have been Lecrae. It's one of those hip hoppers. <laughs> he said, kill me, Lord, until I have no breath left. <laughs> Come on. Who here, uh, I, need, I need to see a husband and wife here who are still hot for each other. Come on. Somebody, raise your hand. Yep, this is sad. <laughs> All right, Todd, you guys, come here, come here. I need your help. I need your help. And while you're on your way up here, let's read 1 John chapter 3. Not that you're going to take a long time to get up here, but, you know, I love the word. God, I love the word. Praise you, Father. 1 John chapter 3. All right, you stand over here, Todd. Okay. I forgot your name. Mariah. Mariah. Okay, you stand there. All right. Now, you guys face each other. I'm going to move out of the way because this is going to get romantic. <laughs> now, look at each other. Don't look at anybody else. You guys look at each other. And as, I, and as I read this scripture, I want you guys to slowly start walking to each other, okay? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has slower has bestowed, you guys are still in the honeymoon stage, yeah. slow down. Behold what manner the love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is part of the how, okay? Take a step closer to each other. Keep facing each other. Don't look at me. I'm going to get out of the way. Okay? This is the refining that happens. You get closer. Have you ever noticed that when you get closer to your spouse, or maybe if you're dating, you get closer to him, kind of heats up a little bit? It's supposed to happen to us. With God. Yes. It's supposed to. Yes. If you're not getting hot, a little fiery in the presence of the Lord, maybe you're doing it wrong. <laughs> maybe put on something a little nicer. I don't know. <laughs> Shower, you know, I don't know. Look into his eyes instead of his feet. You know? Romans chapter 6. There you go. Good job. Romans chapter 6. This one's a healthy chunk of scripture right here. This is almost the whole chapter, I think. Or half of it. Okay. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin and that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was Raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ... 
We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon, consider, calculate, reason yourselves to be dead indeed to Christ. Or in, sorry, indeed to sin. Oops. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What's the next benefit of dying? Living, free from sin. There you go. All right, you guys go get a room, or sit down. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. All right. There's an intimacy that we are called to. (laughs) Read the Song of Solomon. I'm not going to do that right now because that's a lot. That's too much. We are the bride of Christ. And he's washing us. He's adorning us. He said, I, go to, I, I will prepare my bride. I will prepare my church. If we, we have to let him do it because we try to fix ourselves and we end up picking up that old man. It looked good back then. It might work today. No, no, you let him do it. Let him take care of your issues. You have no strength in yourself to fix yourself. You have to die. Yeah. Hallelujah. First Peter. Nice. I still have 25 minutes. Praise the Lord. First Peter. You know, sometimes I feel bad for Peter because, like, Hebrews is such an impressive book, and he's, like, tucked back here behind James, the brother of Jesus. It's still good. Praise God. First Peter, chapter 2. Thank you, Father. 23 through 25, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Again, we have died to sin. 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I buffet or discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. How do you buffet your flesh? How do you, how do you uh, discipline your body? Do you do like the, like the Shias? Yeah. <laughs> There's some Catholic monks that do that too. Whack! They whack themselves on the back. Beat their flesh. Come on now. <laughs> God is not a hard taskmaster. He's a, he's a lover. He's a father. Just get close to him. That's all you have to do. 
That's all you have to do. I was talking to Brad the other day, and we were talking about accountability. It's good to have an accountability partner, but we have this weird perspective of what it means. It means like, when I call you up, I have to tell you about all the stupid things that I did throughout the week. The most powerful aspect of an accountability partner is just being able to call in the moment of weakness and just talk about Jesus. Talk about the things of God. Think about these things, right, is what Paul tells us. Those things that are lovely, those things that are worthy of, of imagining. Fellowship's important. Who are we? As a church, who are we? In the earth we are the, there you go, the body of Christ. So if I've perceived you as a member of the body properly, I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus, I've seen the Father. If I've seen the Father, I'm dead. <laughs> Which means I have no reputation to uphold. Which means I can tell you anything. Like, dude, I just had this moment of weakness. Like, the devil was like trying to get me to do something. But God's good, man. And so we start this dialogue. And all of a sudden, that temptation is gone. So what happens if you move past the temptation and actually step into the sin. Oh no, what are you going to do? Get back, <laughs> get back in God's presence. Get into the tabernacle. Go through the gates, through the courts, into the sanctuary, into the holiest of holies. And just be with him. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Romans 14. Yep. That's the wrong direction. Romans. I remember the first time I came to church with Shelly here, and she opened up her, she's got one of those spirit-led life Bibles, and uh, Pastor Mark was preaching on Romans 8, apparently had been for a year or so. <laughs> By looking at her Bible, since she was born again, because Romans is like, especially chapter 8 in her Bible is like highlighted, marked, underlined, circled, notes on the side. And like, I'm like, what did you do to your Bible? You're not supposed to write in your Bible. Boy, I was dumb. Good night. That's not where I want to be. Romans 14, not 8. I talk about 8 so much. I go, always, that's where I go. There's a groove, there's a rut in my Bible in Romans 8. All right, 14, chapter, uh, verses 7, and 10, 7 through 10. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and uh, lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. So if you're not completely dead yet, that's okay. He's still your Lord. <laughs> but why do you judge your brother? Hmm. Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hmm. I have some friends in Croatia. <laughs> oh, God bless them. This is why we're here. This is why we're in the nations. 
One of our friends is standing outside of a church where they permit wine for the communion, and he's so not okay with that. <laughs> he shows up Sunday morning, and he's out there yelling, you're an apostate church, you're heretics, blah, blah, blah. He's quoting scripture about you know, things against wine. Now, just to be on the record, okay, it's a communion cup this big with this much wine in it, and you can choose juice. So it's not like they're forcing you to drink wine, right? I'm like, man, where are you injured? What happened? Because it's not about wine. There's something that happened that caused you to take this so personally that you want to attack your brothers. These are the people Jesus died for that you're yelling at. These are your brothers and sisters. Have you ever had a bad day? No? That's okay. One honest person, two. All right, good job. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to go to heaven. Um, one of the greatest benefits for me of dying to myself and living unto the Lord, drawing near to him as he draws near to me, is that I don't have bad days anymore. I have days. I have days that happen to have circumstances. Days that happen to have consequences for actions that I took in the past, but it doesn't determine my emotional state. It doesn't, it doesn't determine my joy. It doesn't determine how I treat other people. When somebody cuts me off in traffic and then slows down and leaves their turn signal on for 17 miles while trucks are passing and I can't get over. I have such an amazing opportunity to jump into the flesh and make all kinds of gestures and words and step out of love. Or, hey, I'm going slow. You know what I could do? I don't even have to look around. I can just follow this guy, sit back, put my knee in the steering wheel, turn on the radio, just pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this vehicle. I thank you for good, good gas mileage. Because I get good, better, I get gooder. I get gooder gas mileage when I was going slow. <laughs> Sound like my uncle. Um, take every opportunity to praise the Lord in everything. Praise God. <laughs> Do everything as unto the Lord. It's not as hard as we make it. Just remember, he's always there. He's right there next to you, right now. <laughs> he's with you. He's in you. He's on you. He's inescapable. I've tried to run from my problems, but him and my problems follow me everywhere that I go. What is that in? The 23rd Psalm, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, apparently so will my problems. <laughs> Unless I die, and then they can't find me. Praise God. Colossians chapter 2. Did we read Romans? Yeah, we did. Okay. Hallelujah. We only have a few minutes left. That's Acts. What are you doing? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are good. Yep. 
God's Electric Power Company. That's how we remember that. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We have all kinds of ways of remembering the order of scriptures. Colossians. What are you? Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Verses 8 through 15. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Oof. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Heaven forgiving you all trespasses. Heaven wiped out the handwriting of the, orna- of the requirements that were against us, which were contrary to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Whew. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You have no enemy when you're dead. <laughs> You're already dead. What's the enemy going to do? You're together. You're united with God. You're united with Christ. You're one person. You're so closely related. You're so intimate that the devil can't tell you apart from him. So he doesn't know who to attack. His next best option is to try and attack your family, those who haven't learned, those who haven't died to themselves. Now here comes another circumstance for you, another opportunity to jump into the flesh and have a pity party and cry out, God, why is this happening to me? Well, Jesus told you, <laughs> in this world you will have tribulation, but ye be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But we don't. We don't have good cheer when our kids get sick, when our family members die. Is God still on the throne? What happens when you die, when you die to him, and you become, when you die to yourself, you become alive to him, there's a replacement that happens. We have to get through these pretty quick. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? So if Christ is living in me, let's get into this. Hebrews chapter 2, is that 2 or 12? 2, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would much rather allow the word to do the explaining than me because God is much smarter than I am. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had, power, who had the power of death, that is the devil, destroyed, and release those who through fear of death were all their life, all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, 
He had to be made like his brethren, that's us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. There's a lot in there. Number one, the devil's defeated again. Woo-hoo. Devil's under my feet. And when you're in trouble, you have aid, you have help. He's right there. But only if you're together with him. A lot of people try to get help from him in dire situations. And God is merciful. He'll help you through stuff even when you're, you've been far from him. But most of the time, you're going to end up in emotional mess on the other side of it. And you're like, oh, God, you just barely took me out of there in time. But for those of us who have died to ourselves and live unto him, when those things come, we already know he's there. We already know the strength is available. And whether we're in a storm or an earthquake or we're in the midst of people dying, COVID-19, economic collapse, I can stand up and laugh because I know in whom I have trusted. I'm going to be okay. And because I know I'm going to be okay, I stand as a light. I stand as a shining beacon of hope that people can see and say, what's different? What's wrong with you that you're not shaken by this situation? I know in whom I have trusted, and I know that he is able to make all things that he has promised come to pass. It's not about the promises It's not about the benefits. It's about the relationship. Right, Jonathan? The relationship transforms, changes, melts, and molds everything. How do you get into that relationship? How does that happen? How does that intimacy happen? It happens through the word, through prayer, through worship, and through the corporate gathering being with each other. Do not despise gathering yourselves together. Don't forget it. Because in this fellowship, not here, also in your homes, out having coffee, going to eat together. This is the sharpening. This is the strengthening that happens. He is in you for each other. Galatians chapter 2. Where are you going? Praise you, Jesus. God, you are really good. 14 through 18, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as of the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Is that Galatians? Yeah, okay, I'm right. (laughs) We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh can be justified. But... If while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Of course not. Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What's he saying there? 
We're justified by him. You know, this is one of the things, as we die to ourselves, and we make mistakes along the way, we sin along the way, do we, do we fall under condemnation? Do we become depressed because we made a mistake? Or do we go running back to the Father and say, whoops. <laughs> and he says, hey, good job. Good job coming back. You know, one of the things that hurts me most as a parent is when my son or my daughter, when they don't trust me. You can break stuff around the house. You can walk through the house with mud on your shoes. You can, you know, whatever. But when I tell you something, you need to believe it. Because <laughs> I'm looking out for your best interest. Acts chapter 21. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Acts chapter 21. Verse 13. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Father. Then Paul answered. So they just, you know, the Agabus came. He's like, hey, you're going to get tied up and stoned. And people are like, don't go. This is the response. Paul's response, he says, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. I remember people, people asking us, what are you doing driving across Mexico? Don't you know there's cartels down there shooting people and cutting people up and stuff? What do you mean by breaking my heart? I'm willing not only to be shot. <laughs> Amen. Love will compel you to do things When you, when you die to yourself, when you become alive to him, and that, that selfishness is replaced with love. I like to think about, like, rescuing feral cats. You know, they have no interest in being rescued. Even if they're drowning, there's a cat in the water, and you reach down, and you're like, you go to help it. Because you know it needs help. You see that. You see that it's in dire need of rescue. And was it... <laughs> And up, up your arm on your head. We rescued some cats when we were living in Oklahoma. And I thought, to heck with it. Let's let the dogs out. Jason, who likes cats anyway? Apparently I do. Stupid. But how precious is it to give your life for someone who's in desperate need of a touch from heaven, to know that God loves them. Why are you going through this with me? Why would you sit here through all of these withdrawals? Why would you keep coming to visit me after I've broken into houses and after I've robbed people so I can get high? Why would you come visit me in jail after I broke into your home? How many of you have ever seen the movie Just Mercy with Michael Jordan? Oh, come on. You guys need to see it. I'm not advertising. I don't know. I don't remember the language in it. I'm sure it's horrible. It takes place in the South. He's a death row uh, 
lawyer trying to get guys off of death row who have been thrown in without just cause. And the Lord gave me this vision and it broke me. Oh my God. Everybody is born on death row. And we have an advocate who for our sake suffered the cross to get us off of death row. How shall we not also follow in his footsteps to follow his example? Is your life so precious to you that you're not willing to share someone the rescue that he offered? Revelation chapter 12, 11. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. <laughs> one of like 6,000, I think. I don't know where it lies in all of that category of favoriteness, if that's a word. Favoriteness? Is that a word? I don't know. I'm not. I don't speak English often enough, I guess. Chapter 12, verse 11. Well, we know it. It says, for they overcame him. Who? Who did, they, who did they overcome? The accuser of the brethren, the devil, the old snake. They overcame him by three things, not two, three things. The blood of the lamb, which brought us in. The word of our testimony kept us strong. And we love not our own life unto death, which made us the extension of Christ into the darkness, into the prison, to rescue those who are bound. Praise you, Lord. So what are the benefits of dying? You lose yourself. <laughs> your selfishness. You lose your fear. You lose... Your discomfort in crowds. <laughs> I was talking to a, a dear friend during my mom's funeral, and we were talking about this, about dying to yourself and, you know, becoming one with the Lord. And she says, well, don't you think that God gives us our personalities? Why would he want us to die? It's like, no, he doesn't want your personality to die. He has, he has created you with a special flavor for the sphere of influence that he has placed you in. But he wants your selfishness, your self-centered, self-seeking nature to die so that his loving, com you know, compassionate, selfless, and generous nature can blossom out of you so that you can be Christ in the nations, wherever you are, whether it's in wor at work, you know, at church, at home, in your neighborhood, mowing your lawn, whatever, in traffic, praise God, you can be the light. But you can't do it in your own strength. I've tried. I've tried. I remember, I'm going to tell you just a, a, a short testimony. I think I've talked about this before, but we got to Nepal March 15th, 2015. No, March 26th, 2015. In April, I think it was April 15th, right? 7.8 magnitude earthquake. 10,000 people. Gone in a moment. And I had an awesome opportunity to be really scared. <laughs> I'm standing here outside of the church building watching these buildings, these 
concrete and brick buildings wobble like jello. <laughs> what if they fall, Lord? And Sandesh, he says, Simon, my son is crying. He's like, well, we're all going to die. Sandesh says, don't worry, Simon. In a loud, jubilant voice, he says, don't worry. If we die, we're going to be in heaven. Have you, I know a lot of you have heard that saying that you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. I would take it a step further. You're not ready to live until you're already dead. I'm not alive to myself anymore. I don't live for Seth. I live for Jesus. And when I do, he brings me into places and into company with people that I would have never imagined. And it's so much richer so much fuller than anything I could have done on my own. You know, we've had some situations, circumstances that it looked like we have been forsook. <laughs> and I remember David. We always like to remember David. When he comes back, David at Ziklag. His family's missing. The enemy has come and taken his family. And then his men, whom he has been leading, try to kill him. Where are our families, David? And that's being forsook. Forsaken, I think, is the proper word. And I, that's how I felt. Like I was like, people have abandoned me. And God said, Directly to my heart, rejoice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> rejoice. In all things, rejoice. This is how I died. I said, hallelujah. Whether in the storm, in the desert, in the valley, on the mountaintop, it doesn't matter. Because he's with me. And I am beloved and accepted by him. I know that he's mine and I am his. And nothing shall ever be able to separate me. Hallelujah. When you know that, not here, when it's an experiential part of your heart, man, you can blow up all kinds of stuff that the devil throws in your pathway. It's like, shut up, get out of here. I don't care. And his, his devices just become powerless against you. I have no reputation to uphold. I can be who he's called me to be, and I don't have to be ashamed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And that's why I'm here today. <laughs> Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Father God, mm. I thank you, Father, for your word that you've given us this bread of life, the word that washes over us, that transforms us. You've given us your sweet Holy Spirit who's come to dwell in us and to show us how to submit ourselves, to submit our lives before you so that we can lay down our lives and then pick them back up as you give them back to us, Father, enriched, empowered by your spirit, 
by your life, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the mission that you've given each one of my brothers and sisters here, for all of us, Lord, that you have, pur- you have purposed in us good works. And by faith, we live to the Son of God. We live this life by faith. And we take each step knowing that you are with us, in us, and on us, Father. Lord, make us bolder. Help that shyness to die off. Kill that shyness, Father. That we might proclaim with all boldness the truth of your word and your truth, your resurrection power, Father. I thank you for this congregation, Lord. Strengthen them with all might. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. That's all I've got.